Welcome to Talk 30 to Me, a show where we talk about the perspective of 30-somethings on life, love, and the never-ending pursuit of fulfillment. My name is Anthony, but most people just call me Turg. And I'm Randy Z. Let's start the show. So here we are on a, uh, what's today? Tuesday? Tuesday. It's a Tuesday. I don't think we've ever recorded on a Tuesday before. Mm-hmm. Kind of random. Yeah. Well, I... That's all you had for that's, me? That's uh, all I had. <laughs> <laughs> a blank fucking stare. <laughs> hey, that's fucking wonderful. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's all that uh, really related to. Uh, uh, hey, we're recording on a Tuesday. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just silence. I think you can actually literally hear the crickets back there because there are crickets. It is still August, so we have a lot of that. But we are recording on a Tuesday, and we have a uh, a special guest with us today. And we're going to do something a little bit different and kind of throw his name into the mix real early. So, Randy, if you want to go ahead and do the honors. Actually, he has an intro. Oh, he has an he intro. Has a, he has an intro. How so. fucking fancy. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's roll that intro. Hey, what's up? It's your boy King, aka hashtag EatMasterFlex, aka Beardy McBearderson, aka it's your boy Chris. All right, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck do I call you? I don't know. I mean, uh, I'll just call you Beardy McBearderson. Okay. That works. That works. It's kind of a mouthful, but we'll go with it. Um, the the first thing that I really noticed about Chris was that he's very effervescent. He's very bubbly. That's an interesting adjective. Not really. Why? I use it commonly. Okay. Well, yeah. I, it's the first time I'm hearing you use it. Okay. It's uh, a big word. It, it is, it a, is big a big word. word. I was going to ask you. I don't even know how to spell it. I think spell check does that for me. Probably. Yeah. But, you know, going off of what you said, that, that's definitely one thing that's a standout about Chris is he is very, very positive and very forthcoming with praise. Praise is free. That was his thing. He taught me the last time we had sat down and talked. Hmm. Um, and it's weird that we're talking about him like he's in third person. He's right here with us. He's not here. That was just an intro we had pre-recorded. Oh, okay. So he's, he's coming later? Yeah, he's coming later. Okay. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, he's really here. <laughs> yeah. The people listening are going to be like, what the fuck are these guys doing today? Yeah, we're in a very, we're in, a, we're in an interesting mood today. Um. There's a lot of, it's very nice day today. I think mm-hmm. the weather has a lot to do with it. I'm feeling, I'm feeling good, except I didn't get my nap today. And I explained that to, to Randy earlier. Chris, Chris was in on that conversation. So I'm feeling kind of interesting today. We'll, we'll see where that takes us. Oh God. Yeah. But where, how have you been? I think, uh, you've been all right. right? I, you know, I've been good. I had, uh, my first photo shoot post-op and, uh, I did. I did an eight-hour shoot, and I came home, and I just crashed. And the, the next day, so I crashed, I think, that night around, like, 6, 30, 7 o'clock, and then I slept all through that Sunday. Wow. Uh, I was, I don't think I was ready for all that. But um, A lot of walking around, standing up, obviously. It, was, it yeah. wasn't too much walking around. It, oh. was, it was on one floor uh, at, at this, um, in downtown LA, some, one, one rooftop in downtown LA. Oh, okay. So, but it was just moving around a lot as far as, like, adjusting people and fixing things. Right. Uh, but uh, I don't know. It just wore me out. Daytime? Dusk. Uh, so it still wasn't too hot, but no, no, still kind of warm. Yeah, but it just uh, exerted a lot of energy that I just didn't have. So that was my first realization of uh, I'm not as far along in my recovery as I thought. Hmm. But that was that was I think like two three weeks ago. So now I feel a lot better uh, and a little more energetic. So how has the recovery been? Uh, it's getting better. But I'm still not 100% yet. Well, obviously, yeah. yeah no, exactly. I, I figured that was, the fa- that was the case. So about how long do you think, I mean, you know your body, right? Yeah. How long do you, do you think you 
you'll take to get better. Well, right now, right now, my uh, what I'm owning is I'm not going to drink alcohol until I have a regular bowel movement. And it's been since the surgery that I haven't. So I've, that's the one thing I'm still struggling with. That's great. Yeah. Well, I think you should probably avoid alcohol for... Well, that's what my doctor said. He's like, you know, uh, you, you'll be able to drink again. But as your doctor, I should probably tell you, you, you shouldn't. Right. But if you yeah, do, they, you they, should be okay. They have to tell you that. Plus, you're probably on meds. Not anymore. I'm just getting off them. Okay. Just my heart medication now, which... Now thinking about drinking probably isn't a good idea with heart no, medication. No, probably not. <laughs> probably not. I think drinking in general just kind of fucks you up. Uh, it alters your body chemistry. It does a lot of a lot of different things to you that that make it really difficult for your body just to function properly. Mm-hmm. So I think avoiding that will be great. I think I I've been trying to avoid alcohol a lot, but it's difficult. It's hard. Alcohol is too fun. It is, and I and I do enjoy whiskey, and I do enjoy scotch, and I haven't gotten to indulge uh, since since early June. Which makes me sound like an alcoholic now that I realize it, because it's only August. <laughs> Alcohol withdrawals. It's been like uh, six weeks. Yeah, six <laughs> weeks. Wow. He's fucking over here breaking his sweat and rocking himself backward and forward just to kind of forget about it now. Oh, man. It's rough. No, it's not. It's really not that bad. It's just still going out with my friends and going to bars and not drinking. It's just kind of different. Yeah, I never liked that. That's why I avoided those after, you know, I got sick. So, yes, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put myself in that situation. It takes away one, takes away the temptation and takes away the awkwardness. I think the awkwardness was difficult. Yeah. I think the awkwardness is the tough part. I'm doing pretty good with not being tempted or not drinking. You sure? Yeah. Just, just sounded like you were, you know, kind of fiending for it. I know just a little bit, but no, I, I actually am doing fine with that. It's just, uh, it just sucks being around a bunch of drunk people. And then you're just like looking around like, okay, life isn't as funny. No, it's not. (laughs) Yeah, so I was at the bar with my boy, and uh, we're there, and there was this girl that had two guys with her, um, so I wasn't really paying her much mind, because I didn't think she was interested in talking to anybody anyway. Uh, next thing I know, she's over there trying to like jump into my conversation with uh, my buddy, and it's it's the most awkward thing, bro. I, I you, know, you know a girl's too young for you when she doesn't have a recollection of the same books that you had when you were a kid? Wait, explain that. So, I don't know how the conversation came up, but there was something that... It was a design on her shirt or something where I was like, oh, man, that looks like those old Magic Eye books. Remember those from like early 90s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different patterns and shit and something right. would pop out. Yeah, you. You yeah. Go, and you go cross-eyed to see what it really is. Yeah. And I, and I said that and she looked at me like, what's that? And I was just like, oh. But did you explain it to her? No, I, I really lost all inclination to it. Like, I just had no desire to explain it to her. Yeah, okay. maybe she didn't know the title. I don't know. No, I, I explained it to her in the sense of like, you know, the books with the crazy designs. Oh, yeah. So you did explain it I explained it to, it to, her. to her, yes. Okay. To an extent, yeah. To okay. an extent, but right. uh, then then it got awkward and weird, and she started telling me how she's been a hippie her whole life and just now shaved her armpits for the first time because she got a job. No way. And I was like, how old are you? She's like 23, and I was like, all right, that's I'm cool on that. So after the magic eye and then the whole hippie thing, I was just, I was just, why am I at the bar? Right. I, you know, I can't even drink. I can't even just like engage in a conversation. You can't for... even fake it because yeah. you're not drunk, right? <laughs> you can't even be like, oh, yeah, it's so fucking interesting. Tell me more. Yeah. So I, I feel you there. I've been there couple times okay so what happens with what the whole conversation what did what did you do like how did you end it how do you walk away oh we got on some random ass conversation about music and uh told her listen to some album send her ass home <laughs> she, so she literally put her headphones on and walked out walked home like wow. that's was, that was how the night ended weird and yeah it was like her bedtime or something it was like 9 30 me and chris probably haven't talked in like over 10 years and we ran into each other last year at someone's 30th birthday mm-hmm. party uh, and just had a quick catch-up session. I was like, yo, when you're back in town, let's, let's link up. And he happened to be listening to the show and reached out to me while I was, uh, you know, bedridden. And he, uh, hanging out with Chris was my first 
time leaving the house in like three weeks after surgery, two weeks after surgery. And he invited me out for a walk. And I was just like, yeah, that sounds like a smart thing to do. I should go for a walk because I haven't done anything in like two weeks. Sure. It could be a smart or really stupid thing, depending oh, on your you know, condition. I, I slept the rest of the day because I was, I was just dead tired afterwards. Yeah. But it was great because I, I had never done that where I met up with somebody. Literally, you go for a walk and like for like two hours, we really just like dove in and we talked about so much random shit. But it was great. It was it was an amazing experience, really low-key. And that's why I was like, bro, you have to come on the show. You have to come on the show. So, Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your background, where you come from, what you're up to. I've been told that I live a unconventional unconventional life. Uh, let's see, for the past two years, I've been nomadic, living that nomadic lifestyle. As I was telling uh, Randy earlier, and Sanhi, Sanhi? Sanhi's. Sanhi's. <laughs> It's all right. You don't have to get his name right. He's never in the credits or anywhere near our show, but he's always here for some reason. He just tags along. Well, go on. as I was telling him, for the past two years, I've been living this nomadic lifestyle, and I've moved 10, 12 times. Wow. Yeah. So everything and anything that's really important to me, I can carry on my back. Okay. That's fair. Okay. So you're doing like a... Uh, Very minimalist. Yeah. What's the word for it? Uh whole buddhist thing where you don't accrue any worldly possessions there's a fucking word for it anyway okay but yeah some, cool. something Very buddhist like that of you i guess <laughs> buddhist of me. Uh, in a siddhartha kind of way sell all my you know things and i will go live nothing well that's something that uh me and randy talked about on this walk and side note for all you listeners out there 100 percent recommend going on walks yeah, walks are great. Absolutely. For some reason, I think, what is it? Like, uh, what do you think? The blood flowing and all that just gets you kind of, you're, you're more focused on one singular task, which is walking, uh, maybe two, not getting hit by a car. Maybe mm-hmm. three here in this area, I would say, not getting shot. Um, Thanks. <laughs> so you're multitasking, I guess, but at least you're not distracted by phones or anything like that or family or anything. Just two people or however many people and mm-hmm. you're walking, right? Yeah, like after dinner walk. That's what I'd recommend. So anyways, on this walk, um, we were talking about just life overall. And, you know, you just brought up the the, minimalist lifestyle, Buddhist not acquiring things. And so that really got me thinking about what this show is all about. You know, talk theory to me and going through that lifestyle. Sure. And for the most part, right now, I'm trying to be anti, what's the term? Mass consumption, anti-consumerism. Okay. Okay, so you're not buying shit. I mean, I want to buy shit. I want to buy everything. I, of course I want to buy ball out, man. Right. But okay, so why the why the change in perspective all of a sudden? Because from what I've seen, what I've learned, I talk to a lot of different people and get tons of insight, especially from old people. Well, we could come back to that later. I was, I was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's that the I think the biggest jack in the world is the exchange of my time for money. Okay. That's an interesting take on something that we've visited before with another one of our guests. I think Curtis King mentioned that uh, an exchange of time for money is essentially an inherent part of life. So you're taking the exact opposite approach. So explain. I wouldn't necessarily say that. Okay, so it is an inherent part of life. Work is essential to life. I think that work gives meaning. Or sometimes people, people get fulfillment out of work. Right. The work that I've done is fulfilling, but it's not as fulfilling as I'd like it to be. So what do you do? I help people, and I make changes in their lives. 
I'm clinically trained as a psychotherapist. Okay. But what I do today in my everyday life for the next, well, six months, I don't know how many months, until December, I'm on mini retirement. Okay. So uh, <laughs> you, you got a little, um, oh, here we go, transcendental. Okay. It's somewhat transcendental what he's doing. How so? Well, think about it. The biggest transcendentalist that I could think of that did just what he's doing right now is uh, um, Thoreau, when he wrote Walden. Okay. Right? What did he do? He left everything behind, and he went out to live in the woods by himself. Yeah. And he wrote, and he thought. And he, by thinking, he felt like he was pouring energy into the world to help people. In a way, that's what I got out of it, at least. It was a very good book. Have you read it? Nope. It's a very good book. Bro, I already told you I was reading Magic Eye, so... Oh God, Magic Eyes! Oh, that that classic. That will take weeks to finish. Weeks, but yes. Um, so it, it's it's the new way of thinking, I guess, in terms of doing that. But explain the mini retirement. I mean, why? So, as I was, as I said earlier, I've talked to a lot of older people. One of my training ships was I worked for a hospice, and I worked with people that were actively dying. Hmm. And so I'd go in and I would talk with them and help them process end-of-life issues, things that they haven't put together, like family issues, um, well, mainly family issues, things that they weren't able to say to people, things that they wanted to say to people, try to bring people together. And I was able to dig in to some of those issues, and it's always been about spending time with people and those relationships and what's important to them. I've never heard anybody say I wish I worked more. Hmm. They've always said, I want more time. I want more time. Well, I mean, couldn't more time. Okay. Well, more time could also be associated with more time to create and to make a bigger impact or mm -hmm. just more time to just like have quality time spent with like loved ones. It could be a lot of things. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I'm actually asking like, what if, what was your takeaway right. from, from those conversations? What I got was that they wanted more time with the loved ones mm. because that's you know, as a psychotherapist, that's one of the things that they wanted to talk about at the end of the, the, end of their life. Like, there was one, one old man who didn't have any relationship or had a negative relationship with his son and daughter, and they weren't going to be there when he was going to die. And so we were able to work on some things, process some things, where he was able to try to re actually reach out and make something happen. Wow. So what would you say was the most defining moment of your experience at the hospice? Like what changed everything? What kind of, what kind of powered that light bulb to go off in your head and say, this is what I want to do. I want to help people. I want to, I want to go on my mini retirement and see what happens. I wouldn't necessarily say it was just working at a hospice. I'd say that was one of the events. Because ever since I was probably in high school, I've always wanted to help people. I was a Boy Scout. Right. Oh, me too. Hey. Yeah. I, well, I never made it to Eagle, and that's a bitter point, but... Right. <clears throat> me, me either. That's, I, I think it's overrated. I stopped that wee blows, bro. I was... <laughs> that was pretty far down. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to help people at a, at a young age, and I somehow ended up on the path that I, that I did, because I actually wanted to be a sex therapist, and I made my way down that route, and... If I wanted to, I could go and get that training and go from there. Sure. But when I started off my this journey of helping people, like in you know high school, I thought to myself, what's the best way I can help people with the skill set that I have? So I thought, mm, 
okay, let's go help families. Because at that time, it was like 50% divorce rate. And I thought maybe I could help there. And I, you know, being young and naive, I always thought, oh, yeah, sex. Sex is so important in relationships and marriage. No, it's just a small cog. Yeah, it could be argued that it, it plays a larger role depending on the type of person you, you talk to. But it, it does have... It, it it doesn't have as big of a role as I think society mm-hmm. lends it, or I it doesn't have as big of a role as we make it out to be. I should say, correct. It's just a small cog on this big wheel that's going, but if this cog falls out, you already know that the rest of the wheel is kind of falling down already. Right. So okay. So we still haven't really gotten to the root of what kind of clinched it for you. Like, what was that moment where you said, "Fuck it, I'm gone." Like, this is what I want to do. I want to be uh, this minimalistic, transcendental kind of revolutionary of uh, in my craft. Well, when you phrase it like that... You didn't really think about it. You just kind of did it. Is that what I'm getting? I think this goes to a conversation that me and Randy had. Sure. Of, do you just fall into things or, you know, do you get lucky and just end up in this life? Or do you actually work at it and it happens one day? And so... Like, I think I will forever be a counselor or psychotherapist. Sure. And I will forever help people. Right. But at this time, with my mini retirement, uh, I'd say that's on me trying to build the life that that I want and get what I want. And what if you don't get what you want? What if you, what what if like any job um, mm-hmm. that we start, sometimes it, it it doesn't pan out the way that we think it does or that we want it to. We build it up in our head uh, to be something so great, and then in the end, maybe it was our fault, maybe it was just circumstance, but it doesn't turn out right. What if that happens? Will that change things for you, or will you just keep going down your path? Things haven't really worked out for me the way I wanted them to. Okay. I, I was telling Randy the other day, I just maybe I just magically ended up in this mini retirement right here. As a grown adult... Out of out of uh, college, I have been unemployed for three years. That's a long time. Yeah, that's uh, a long. Are you talking three time. years out of the for, from the age of twenty one to thirty one now? Three of those years. Three of those years, yeah. I have been unemployed. Were those years consecutive by any chance? No. Okay, so three years throughout your the the past decade, essentially. Yes. You've been unemployed. Yep. So that's about thirty percent. Mm-hmm. You're so good at math. I think, right? It's like 29. <laughs> but I mean, there's so many lot. different things that go into play there because of the time that it was going on. We graduated during uh, the crash in 2008. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those all play different different roles. How much did your career choice play into that role? Mm, I found a job. Well, I worked. Well, actually, also, I went to graduate school, too. So... I guess my professional working life is even smaller. So it's, so then by way of that logic, your unemployed time is a lot greater than 30%. So mm-hmm. you went to grad school for like two years? Correct. Okay, two years. So you spent three out of the eight years unemployed. Trying to look for a job, yep. Wow, that's a lot. It hasn't worked out the way I planned it to work out. Man, I thought when I was going to be like 25, 26, man, I thought I was going to be pulling 100 Gs. Right. I think we all did. Oh, I, yeah. Me personally, I wanted to be in the six figures by 30 and, you know, get very close. But mm-hmm. I, I think realistically, a lot of things changed. So why did you let that discourage you? Shit happens. Life sure. happens. Sure. It, it really does. Yeah, you're totally right. But at the same time, 
I think it was one of those moments where you could either let it define you as a person or you could let it destroy you. Mm. And a lot of people let it destroy them. I think uh, it, it was a very emotional time for everyone, I think. You know, it's like, fuck, I'm trying to find a job, trying to find something to do, trying to find that, that, that step that I can, you know, propel, use to propel myself up. Uh, but everything just keeps falling right beneath my feet. I mean, it's kind of fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole time, I think it was a good seven years until everything kind of started getting good. And now, you know, it's getting better and yeah. we could feel it. Mm-hmm. So why until December? Why until December? So I actually had, I always have plans, right? I always have these goals. I was actually, uh, I looked at one of my goals the other day from like 2014 and I hit all of them. It's wild. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. So you're setting goals for yourself to, to get yourself to this point. So... Mm-hmm. You're there, right? I'm assuming. Yeah, for for the most part. The only goal that I haven't hit yet is, well, R would be being married and having family. And the other one is being a millionaire. It's interesting. It's something that I think we've either spoken about before or I've read something on recently. Well, which one was it about marriage? I think Audrey might have touched on it a little bit. Marriage is such a, uh, feels almost mandatory in society nowadays, but it really shouldn't be. Well, I don't think it's necessary about being a mandatory thing or the next thing to do. I I, I think for me anyway, I, I see marriage as, as something that I'm going to get to work at for the rest of my life with somebody that I really care about, you know, just committing to and, and growing with. So it's not something I'm trying to check off the box. And I think that's why I've been very reluctant to, to jump into relationships or to, my mom likes to say I'm on a two-year plan. I try it out for two years. If it don't work, I let it go. <laughs> I'd say less. I'd say less than two years. Your mom's six being months. generous. <laughs> you got six months. Six months. Show me what you can do. <laughs> yeah, you've gone for weeks at times. I mean, that's recently. And that's, and that's just because I haven't felt like it was the right fit or the right person for me. Yeah, we talked about the fact that you're becoming a little bit more... Um, disciplined in 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 what you in what you want and if it doesn't pan out you're just done you know no no games right yeah it's not a time for games no 30 i don't have time for that shit got a lot on the line now yeah um so i i don't don't know where you stand with that chris uh if it's along those lines or if it's one of those things where like i want to do it because i think i should be getting married i would say it's more about companionship if, I don't know if you guys want to go down that route of what marriage is and how that's institution and whatnot. And, what do you got? Okay. Well, personally, I'm all about the companionship with my partner. And having a family, that's, that's something that I want in my life. Like, the most important things in my life are my friends and family, my health, and my relationship with God. Those are kind of like the only, the main things that really matter to me. So... Why is marriage then an essential part of that formula? It doesn't need to be. Marriage is more of a man-made construct. I think you can share a lot with someone without having to be married. And how do you feel about that? That is fine. I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. Yeah. yeah. So you're just looking for companionship, someone to share in the moments with. Share Someone to share the moments with, I guess I should say. I would say somebody that will help me grow as a person and challenge you yeah challenge me and i will do the same for them that's interesting because marriage really is all about holding people accountable and helping people grow right okay okay well you're married you have a strong grasp of what you want what does that really mean though uh to someone that how how would you say to that makes makes you want to be better to be better or to makes me better helps me grow so what would that look like 
Yes, yeah, Terry was saying, you know, someone to hold me to my shit. Mm. Someone that'll keep me authentic and, and real to who I am. Okay. But as you change, mm-hmm. you're hoping that that person will also change with you. It's kind of a two-way street, right? Correct. So how... Okay, so for someone that's been out of the game for a few years now, how would you approach that? How would you find that person? How would you know that you're there? Let's start off with timeline. How long would you have to be with someone in order to really cement it and say, this is the person, you know, this is the right person for me. One year, two years, five, ten, what's the right time? That's what a lot of people actually struggle with. Yeah. They don't know the right time, right? I don't, do you know, you knew your parents' story? Yeah. Do you know yours? Yes. Because I know my my parents dated for five years before Mm -hmm. they got married. And they got married... 83 and i think they were like 25 and 26 or 24 and 25 and that was you know in the 80s that was pretty old mm-hmm. and right. so in my head i've always thought oh i'm probably gonna date somebody for about five years before i get married and then you get to 30 and you're like well if you want to date someone your age uh in five years you're probably not gonna be having kids it'll be a high risk scenario right so now for me that going into the timeline thing like does that has it changed for you over the years your timeline or has it always been kind of consistent that's a good way of phrasing it i think that's what i was getting at yeah in terms of relationships and where you are right now yeah well romantically yeah in terms of romantic relationships it varies from person to person i can't say that it's going to happen like in the in a year or two years or three years but maybe i and and this might be the fucked up part Mm -hmm. but i i think maybe for me relationships should be screened like interviews and I was talking to yeah, I was talking to one of my um, one of my wife's friend's sister. I guess I can call her a friend. Um, I guess yeah. If she listens to this, <laughs> she's gonna be like, "Fuck she'll you." Be <laughs> she'll be listening. Revert back to the totem pole of friendship. <laughs> right. She. I mean, it's one of those people that I talk to um, when I feel like we have something to talk about. I, I told her something along the lines of I uh, before you need to be a little bit more judicious with the way that you select people. As you get older, I think that reigns true. And she's, I think, uh, 25. I don't really, I don't really know. But uh, as you get older, I think that we need to start accelerating the process. So with that being said, a relationship should be screened like an interview. You sit down, you have a series of questions to ask someone and they go through. And if they fulfill the minimum base requirements, they get to go on to the next stage. That's why shows like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, I think, are so funny, but they're so true to an extent. And the way we actually date people, it's more dramatic and over the top, obviously, mm-hmm. right? But in essence, it's what we're doing. But they're really shortening it into like a season, you mm-hmm. know, but we're, we're, it spans with, with us outside of TV land. It spans years. Yeah. Why not accelerate that fucking process? Stop playing games and be honest with each other. I want this, or you're going to be able to give it to me. But the thing is, you need to be able to find that honest person that's going to give you the honest answer. But I think we could build it in, and and that's kind of something that I was talking to her about. And she was like, "Yeah, you know, I, I she didn't disagree with it, but that's a very blunt way of going about a relationship." So does it come down to more about timing? So it's less about the person and, and more about the time that you encounter each other in your life and how willing you are to commit to that idea, that concept of... Yeah, how emotionally mature you are in order to be able to accept something like that. Because that takes a certain level of one, self-awareness, and two, uh, the ability to not uh, to take criticism openly and not, not have it completely fucking tear you apart. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be a little bit strong. 
Yeah. You have to have some confidence in yourself and what you are and what you know. I have a theory, and it goes back to what you were just saying. And there's two parts to this. The first one is when people are between the ages of like 18 to like 25, you have like a two-year period where you're just going to date. And it could go either way. But, you know, after that two-year period, most people are kind of get fed up with where are we or what are we doing? Mm-hmm. You know, you have that conversation. Right. Well, yeah. Where do we stand? <laughs> right. As soon as you it's hit like awkward forcing, you know, the discussion kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. And then as soon as it hits like 27 into the 30s, you got six months just like that. The window goes down real fast. Okay. So the second part to that is the way that I used to date. Right. I used I used to serial date left and right mm-hmm. uh, when I was moving because I move around a lot to different locations. When I was moving around a lot. In a three-month period, I dated 12 different women. Wow. Three yeah. months. Yep. Three months. One Can every... we do the math on that real quick? <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I, I'm trying not to tell, you know, old stories from, uh, you know, he single-handedly kept Red Robin in business, like, Jesus. in high school. <laughs> yes. Yes. That was good times. But the way that I used to do it is that women have three dates. And the way that it actually works is the first time I meet you, we're just going to go get some coffee or go for a walk or maybe go get some dessert. If you get past that, if I'm interested in you, then we could go do something cool. So you're taking the taking control of the relationship instead of it being the other way around because usually it's the female uh, that gets to pick and choose. So you're you're completely flipping that role. Okay, so second date. So the way I plan the dates would be something along the lines of this. The first time we meet, we're going to go get a drink somewhere, coffee, tea, libations, dessert. Something real quick. Real inexpensive, real easy. If I see any red flags, I'm out. <laughs> so no. define like one, give me an example of one red flag you've had. I think it's a learning moment for me, yeah. One of them was, you know, I didn't really want to bring this up, but uh, I'm currently going through a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bro. Thanks. I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> I'm sure that happens often. Now, are these like kind of online dating type things or? Uh, let's see. It was, Yeah. Online dating, Tinder, and all everything. 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 Kind of tried it all. Yeah. It was, it's a great experience. I, I actually went uh, speed dating, and that is how my brother met his wife. No shit. Wow. The same event? Yeah. The same event. Wow. Wow. Okay. So mm-hmm. uh, if they make it past the first stage in this... Uh, in this uh, Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, can we go back to the red flags? Because I feel like the divorce is too easy. That that's granted. I didn't take the red flag when I saw it, but I feel like uh, there needs to be ones that are more I, subtle I, that I, are better. Okay. Like, I need answers now. <laughs> yeah. Give me some, please. I can't figure <laughs> my I, shit I, out. Am I not transparent? <laughs> so one thing that I personally don't really like are people that are on their phones all the time. Mm-hmm. So if I see a woman on her phone while we're having a conversation, then I'm straight up going to be like, is everything okay? Is there something going on? You know, I'm right here. We're, we're trying to do something here. It's very disrespectful. I'll call, them, I'll call them on their shit. Right. And what do they usually respond to? With? Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, <laughs> and then she goes right back to the phone. <laughs> <laughs> if she goes back to her phone, then it's like, mm, okay, finish, finish whatever I'm doing. And then, oh, well, it's nice meeting you. And I'm out. Okay. So you're very, okay. very just yeah. right there. Very direct. I like mm-hmm. that. I and, like that a lot. And then if it actually works out, I'm usually planning to do something pretty cool and dope afterwards. Like 
one that came to mind is we went to a bar just for an appetizer and a drink. Okay, she was cool. Now let's continue on and there's a, a club down the street. Okay, cool. Let's go get our dance on. Dance, talk, do the entire club thing and go from there. So that's stage two. That's day two. And then wait, was that day two in the same day? Like you, so your date one and two could be in the same day. Yep, it just continues on. If you make it past the first stage, you go to the next stage. It's like, okay, if checkpoints I'm, and shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like playing a video game. Uh, yeah, level one, level two, yeah. level three, and then level four. I assume would be the bedroom. Within three days, man. Three days. <laughs> All in one day. All in one. <laughs> <laughs> Explain what it would take to get past the. Let, let's say you went to the club and she couldn't dance. Is that a deal breaker? Mm, no. I, I have weird deal breakers. So give me a couple of them. <laughs> One of them is if they can't go to a flea market or a swap meet, if they're not down to go do that. What would be the reason not to, that they're above it or? Yeah. 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 Another one would be people that don't eat with their hands. Hmm. Like if you don't eat pizza with your hands. <laughs> Or, oh, okay, that's what I was about to say. Okay, I I mean I didn't do that for a year, but it's because I had the clear braces and I had to put it in the bag so it didn't stain my teeth. <laughs> but it was only for a temporary. You are a weird <laughs> fucking individual. I had clear braces. I had clear braces, and I did not want my teeth stained. So I did for an entire year. For well, that's when I met mm-hmm. you. When I came to Western, I got braces on, and mm-hmm. uh, for that entire year, I ate nothing of color. That's pretty racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the way you said it, I I ate nothing of color. You could have just said I didn't eat fucking colorful food. Yeah, I could have. Tomato been. sauce or yeah, nothing with tomato sauce. Back to your deal breakers, bro. So there's the flea market thing. Like, have you guys ever eaten that boiling crab or kicking crab? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Seafood in a bag. Mm-hmm. If they can't do that, no, I'm not having it. <laughs> yeah, just, those are two of my deal breakers. Right that's there. good. Those are good deal breakers. And yeah, that's, that's that. obviously day two, right? The actual meal or something right instead of the appetizer well so it all depends on oh shit the stipulations de- yeah it all depends on how uh the adventures went so with my my last date that i went on it would be we met at a cafe we had some dessert some coffee and then i said hey i want to spend more time with you and then we ended up going for a walk same day same day okay and then after that i said i like you let's go grab something to eat that direct yeah. I don't know. If I was a woman, I would be like, is this guy for real? <laughs> like, you you like, really? We've only been on this date for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's okay. pretty old school. It's very different. Courtship in a in a different way. I wouldn't call yes. it old school. I think old school, there are a lot more games. Now I think people are, people actually might be open to being more direct. From when I was still dating people, everyone would want text messages. Mm-hmm. Everyone would text. Not. I don't text. What I do is I'm going to get your phone number and I'm going to text you once. When you respond to that text message, I am calling you because I know you're by your phone. Damn. And we are having a conversation. Some people could actually benefit from this kind of method. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I'm looking right at them, I think. Wow. Wow. No, for the girls, the girls I'm dating, I talk to them on the phone. I don't just text them. You got to find, like what we were talking about earlier, you got to find someone at the right point in time in their life. And, and it might not take a whole lot of searching. It might be deliberate, like in Chris's case, or it might be inadvertent, like in a lot of other cases. Typical, you know, ah, I ran into her at the grocery store or something like that. So you just have to find that person at the right time in their lives. 
your current girlfriend, I, I assume you're in a relationship right now, because mm-hmm. I think you've alluded to that earlier off air. How did you guys meet, if you don't mind sharing? Internet. Internet, okay. Well, I like to tell people that we met off Craigslist. <laughs> That's fucking funny, because it's the creepiest shit ever. <laughs> Is that yeah. for real, though? Did you? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who meets someone off of Craigslist? You go to Craigslist for hand jobs. <laughs> Sankeys has met people off of yeah you've met a lot of people for fucking hand jobs i bet huh craigslist yeah yes all right so, so current he, girlfriend yeah i met her through uh online dating site and we went on yeah that that date where we met up for dessert coffee went for a walk and then went for dinner so she was the walk she was the one you referenced earlier in the walk story in the walk story or you go on many walks with many women you're a walk oh, whore. I've I've been on some bad walks. Really? Wow. I didn't know that. Walks can be bad? Yeah. Well, I guess it's slower, so it just... You, how do you get out of that then? Well, so... Just run. Was... <laughs> <laughs> She's walking this fucking bolt. Let's go. You're gone. So what, is she, what is she gonna do? Like, what the fuck? This guy just took off. Would make for an interesting story on her end, I'd imagine. But anyway, awkward walk. So I met this woman through an online dating site, and when I met her in person... She looked nothing like the photos. Oh, photo fake. You got catfished? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I was like, oh, okay. And then she's like, yeah, so you want to go walk around the park? And I was like, oh, oh, oh yeah, sure. So you weren't going to be mean to her? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm an asshole, but I'm not that much of an asshole. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I didn't know there were different gradations. Oh, yeah. I thought there was like a universal you are or you aren't, but okay. So, yeah, we went. We started the walk and five minutes in, ten minutes in, I was like, I don't want to spend any more time with this person. <laughs> Fuck. So what did you do? I kept going, kept walking and trying to talk and forced conversation. Oh, that's bad. But the thi- well, I can have a conversation with anybody and I can talk with them about everything and anything. So I think it was okay for her. I'm pretty sure she she wanted to go to lunch after that. And you just took and I was off. Like, no, sorry, I got some other plans that I'm gonna take care of. So, you're you're typically direct, but I guess you didn't want to hurt her, and yeah, you have to kind of you have to pick and choose your battles. You can't just be like have the three step rule across the board. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to make exceptions, right? That's I, a takeaway. I, I guess uh, I'm I'm still stuck on that. five minutes into it. I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> yeah, but he continued. That's that's trooper. That, yeah, that is a true. Uh, devotee to the game of I don't love th- i don't think i've had dates that bad where within the first five minutes i'm just like oh what am i doing here? you're a very forgiving person though you know it's funny i actually called uh, a friend of mine and asked for some relationship advice and um she was telling me that i'm i am too forgiving and too optimistic in relationships she's like you always think it's gonna work out yeah you're a hopeful romantic oh hopeless romantic would be the the more appropriate term but i think you really are kind of latching on for for some kind of shred of hope i guess i I think i just want to make sure i give an honest effort before i just walk away Mm. and be like oh well i I didn't try but i think chris is kind of alluding to an interesting method i think you should try it i think you should be a little bit more direct and stop playing games and not that you are playing games relationships are a lot of cat cat and mouse they Mm -hmm. really are and it's kind of bullshit but that's the way society paints relationships and that's the way we have to or we're taught that we have to play them but Breaking the mold, breaking the stereotype, kind of busting out of that is the way to really be honest with yourself and honest with the other person. Because in the end, going back and tying this all back into marriage, marriage is all about 
being honest with yourself. Can you or can't you take on this challenge, mm-hmm. this new way of living? Because it's not easy. It's it's continual work around the clock. Unless you just don't genuinely give a fuck and you want to say, no, I'm, I'm not in it for the long haul. I know this is a five-year and out, ten-year and out plan. Who uh, the fuck thinks five-year and out, ten-year and out? A lot of people, man. Really? A lot of people. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. Like this is just a pit stop? Like that's... You might not you might not think that right off the bat. Okay. You might be so in the moment for the first year or two that you're like, oh, yeah, this is it. And then you try to stick it out for another two, three years and then realize. Yeah, it okay. could be, you know, two, three, four, five years into it where you're like, no, maybe I'll try it for a little bit more. And if it doesn't work out, that's it. But you never really give an honest effort. Mm-hmm. But the whole point is you have to be honest with yourself. If you're not going to give it an honest effort, how is that at all being honest with yourself? Right. You're deceiving the person that, that, you, that you're with. But in order to get there, you need to find the person that you could genuinely be honest with from day one. And that's why I think I, I really I saw that in, in my wife. And what drew me to her was that she really not only cared about me, she cared about herself. She cared about the integrity of the relationship. When you're with someone, you're good to go for the first six six months to a year just based on superficialities and, and good times and the high of, of a new relationship. But after that, what? What do you got? You don't have anything if you can't be honest. You don't have anything if you can't be truthful and outright. So I love this method that Chris proposed. And I challenge you, Randolph, wow. to try it. Why not? All right. You have to at least be honest with yourself before you can be honest with someone else. So I think you, we need to both kind of – and I'm – Whenever you catch me on a podcast episode, I'm going through something in my marriage. It's not dire. Nothing's going to end, but it's another growth point. Hmm. Not, that's not alarming to me, but I, you know, it makes me just ask, like, what do, you, what do you mean? All right. So I view it more of like a growth point, a point where you have two differing opinions and you have to settle it because you know it's just going to come up again. So instead of letting it draw on and on and on and on my wife and i have actually gotten really good at just nipping things in the bud and just bringing them out in the open it's a step in it's a step toward rather being open and honest with each other about how we feel because she has a tendency of not being um immediate or instant with her emotions she has a a lag time and i completely respect that some people need to time to process right? i have a lag time and that's that's why i struggle with being actively talking in the podcast i'm still processing what was just talked about sorry <laughs> <laughs> I, I completely get where she's coming from I, yeah i completely I understand and, that is and all I'm saying. that's kind of why i've i've learned that sometimes people don't process things in the same way and i'm the kind of person that if you're not like me i don't understand you i've taken a more active approach to trying to understand people and I'm in no way a psychotherapist or a psychology guy. I'm, I'm a fucking engineer. And engineers are very retarded in terms of being socially adept. Mm-hmm. Really. I mean, <laughs> and I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a true engineer. I, I have what some would call a personality, which is not a slight to engineers at, at, the, at the least. Ice cold burn. It, <laughs> if you want to reach us, it's podcast at top32me.com for all your complaints about turgs. Engineers, by, by, by nature, don't know how to socialize. That's why they're engineers. They're good at solving problems, and that's about it. But give them a social problem to solve, and they'll fucking screw the pooch. 
So what I've done is I've completely tr- tried to turn that around as part of my career, as part of my devotion to my wife, trying to understand her, how she works, and and everyone around me. I'm using that model to kind of uh, using that model to extend out to my friends and my family, and trying to understand them, and learning how to diffuse situations because that can help in a lot of different ways. That can save marriages. So how long? How long save were friendships? You, how long were you and your wife together before you got married? <sighs> Four. Five years. Five years. And at what point did you start implementing those practices? Recently. Oh, wow. Yeah, maybe uh, a few months ago. Not, got, not long. You guys got married almost four years ago. Yeah, right? but ago? Uh, three, 2012, four almost. Um, that's why I was saying relationships are completely different than marriage. Mm-hmm. And that's why you have to be honest with the person that you're getting into a relationship with and let them know exactly what you want. Because if they're not on the same page, you're going to hit a junction where you're like, okay, well, where the fuck do we go from here? And then it's only going to be a lot more difficult because your viewpoints might not, might not align. Mm-hmm. And you've invested all this time into this relationship already. So what are you going to do? Let it go down the drain and try and hope that you can find something now? The clock is always ticking. That's only if you have certain goals and objectives aligned in your mind. Like, Chris, I want a family. I want kids. I want to share moments with more than just myself. Like yourself, Randy, you want a family. Mm -hmm. You want these moments. But for people like us, the clock is always ticking. Time is not our friend. So investing all that time in a relationship where you're not being open and honest with the other person will just only take you that much longer to... To, to try and figure out, to try and get around in terms of your differences, in terms of things that you do not necessarily align on. And if you don't, and then you really can't find uh, a way to see eye to eye on anything, then what do you do? You just part ways. And then you just wasted all that time. Well, I wouldn't, again, wouldn't call it a waste. You've right. learned. Learn, learning experience. <clears throat> but time is not your friend. Right. So I really like that, that uh, whole program i'm gonna call it (laughs) that chris suggested because it's more direct it's more honest and it's more we set up this podcast not only to help others but we set up this podcast to help ourselves because i was kind of talking to chris earlier about what why we do this and it's a lot of self-therapy in the end yeah Mm -hmm. we take a lot of what our guests have to offer a lot of what we have to offer each other which isn't much which is why we need guests. <laughs> but um, we, we take all that and we, we translate it to our lives in whatever way, shape, or form that we do. So with that being said, I triple dog dare you to try Chris's program and see if it works for you. And if it does, we're going to start marketing it and selling it to people. I remember we had this thing between me and my buddies. Talking about the four date method, I can make any girl fall in love in four dates. And you know, that one is very stupid uh, and very young, <laughs> very uh, young, very, very young, young, very young. And and now and now, you know, hearing like essentially, it's it's, a, it's along the same premise. Start small, talk. If it goes anywhere, then move on to the next thing. But the intent is completely different. And and what you're looking for is, and that, and that's what makes the big difference is what you're looking for in that. Because you know, when you're younger and you're trying to make a girl fall in love, it's just because you're just trying to get her in the bed that's mm-hmm. really the end goal not that that's not in play here yes and no because for me personally i the older i get the less i want to just like lay up with anybody hit it and quit it and that's that yeah i'm mm-hmm. not to say i haven't but it's it's the fact you know i i made it this far and i'm and i'm 
good to go, and I I don't want to compromise that. Okay. Oh, I get where you're going yeah. with that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you brought up a very valid point, but it's also about asking the right questions. Mm. So if you don't ask the right questions, or if you don't ask or, or or bring things up in conversation that are going to lead you to that answer that you're looking for, you're completely doing the whole method incorrectly. Right. So you have to be a little bit more diligent with your screening process. Okay. Mm-hmm. The first thing that I always look for just within that first 10 minutes is how the vibe is going. Yeah. Because it's all, because supposedly within like the first couple of minutes, you already know if you guys are going to click or not. Yeah. So for me, it's all just about the vibe. It doesn't really matter what we're talking about for the most part in that very first conversation that we have when we're sharing a drink, a dessert. Just seeing if we, if we click, yeah. if it feels right. So you're talking like chemistry then? Yeah, sure. Chemistry. And okay. if it doesn't, do you give it a little bit more time? Do you, uh, A second okay. round of drinks? Not, not necessarily a second round of drinks, but maybe kind of stretch it out a little bit more to find the right question that might actually trigger it for you and get her comfortable because it does have something to do with a little bit of comfort, right? Mm-hmm. So what, what do you think? From my own experience, it's always been whenever I meet someone, it's always just like small chit chat. You know, how was your day? Did you do anything fun or exciting today? Or what's the most exciting thing that you did today? What brought a smile to your face? Or something along those lines. Sure. Something that I find is Asking going to be right interesting. Right. At least to me, if you know, if they're not having a good time, because you know, I'm not going to click with everybody. I mean, I might as well enjoy myself right. on, on this right. date. So, you know, there's always that small part in the very beginning, but then you progress from there. It's all on feel, yeah. Chem- chemistry. So, I mean, on that, I think, I think in in the past, I remember when I was mm-hmm. younger, I used to think if if I don't have that immediate attraction the animalistic attraction towards this woman mm-hmm. that's probably not going to work out because i'm not going to be i'm not going to get there and if i mean she might have been a pretty girl or I, you know maybe she had a cool personality that kind of took it over the top whatever the case was as i get older I, I you know at first i started kind of being concerned with i was like wow I, I could i could see this girl being like my best friend i was like well, was that is that bad like and now and now it's like yeah no i think that's that's what i want that's that companionship i mean yeah she's beautiful and, and we get along but like i could really you know see a friend in this person no, I, I think now. I think I still struggle with the idea of like, am I looking for a best friend or am I looking to check both boxes? I want the best of both worlds. Does that even exist? Is that what I'm waiting for? Or am I just, you know, asking for too much? I think everyone's kind of caught up in the ideal, but we have to be realistic. We have to really level with ourselves and say, what is the number one priority? What are we willing to sacrifice? Right. What can we possibly develop in someone, help them grow much to Chris's point and, and knowing how a marriage works, you're going to have a lot of growth and development. You have the rest of your fucking life to figure that out, but you have to figure out what is number one on your list of things and what you cannot sacrifice in any way, shape or form, because you cannot, you might not be able to develop that. But I mean, if you're really serious about finding someone, which I know you are, you're one of those hopeless romantic types. (laughs) If you, if you're not with, with someone at the moment, you know, you go fucking nuts. No, I don't. I did a good a good year, so a year and a half, and I you know I didn't go crazy. You know, I've, I've dated casually. You've before. dated casually, but that's the thing that kept you sane, that kept you hopeful. I think. I I guess because you know dating casually, it was more it was less about finding somebody and more about just building with people, and and that's kind of where I was at. I just wanted to have uh, great interactions with interesting people, 
and, and, and great conversations. So, Chris, I know you had some shout outs to give before we go. Oh, yeah. I wanted to give a shout out to my mom, one of my biggest fans, my uncle, who's also another my biggest fans, my family. <laughs> What's up? I'm here. I made it. I'm on a podcast. <laughs> man, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate your insights and yeah, your contributions, no man. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. I it appreciate was. it. Absolutely. Turk, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at the underscore ruined on instagram at the ruined 007 that's right 007 and on facebook at the ruined and you can find me at i am randy z on facebook twitter and instagram i wish i could homogenize all my shit but i really can't it just takes little effort no it was all taken anyway all right here we go Oh, I forgot about St. Keys. If you want to follow St. Keys, you can find him. You can find him at S A N K E Y S A S A N K E Y Z at hotmail.com. If you want to find St. Keys, you can find him at the Robin Hood Hotel up on on Beach, the corner of Beach and shit. What was that other street? Room eighty-two. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talk 30 to Me. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check us out at talk32me.com. Remember to leave us your comments. Be sure to rate us. And please hit that subscribe button to let us know that you care. For Talk 30 to Me, I'm Turk. And I'm Randy Z. Peace. Peace. I'm feeling extra assholey today, so I apologize in advance. Because you didn't get your nap. I didn't get my nap. <laughs> I emailed him. I was like, hey, can you review my resume? He wrote me back. Hey, sorry for sounding mean. I'm angry right now. And I text him. like, why are you angry? I didn't get a nap. I didn't get my nap, man. It fucks everything up. Yeah, hey, I respect that. He's using his words. He's telling you, what, he's telling you what's up. There you go. Man who understands. He's using his words. Respect that. Like, okay. Yeah. Shit. No, for real. That's, that's real. As an artist... I remember one time we went uh, went uh, went to a farmer's market on a I think it was a Saturday morning and this this woman was on crutches so she was she was going wrong hopping around the entire time it's pretty weird your date yeah my date oh wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're getting too much enjoyment out of that oh the crutches that's fucked up who plans a date on crutches <laughs> <laughs> But I thought I thought that was really cool because now like I'm I'm kind of obsessed with walks. I go I go on walks like daily now with people at work. Hey hey, you want to go for a walk? Man, people think that's so weird. <laughs> hey, do you want to go on a walk? Just the way you looked at me was kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. <laughs>